This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Habibi. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of going to a world that's filled with unimaginable monsters, horrors beyond sight and sound. And we haven't even gotten to Bureau 13. Or Detroit. Hey. <laughs> I'm trying to say something. In a world of darkness, there's Bureau 13. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Embrace that inner Don LaFontaine, John. There you go. This week, we are talking about playing World of Darkness in the Bureau 13 universe. As we all know, Bureau thir- in Bureau 13, all stories are true, which... Uh, other than the obvious, means that you can put whatever you want to into Bureau 13 and it'll work because it's uh, it's a nexus of infinite possibilities and we couldn't stop you if we wanted to. So uh, we came up with the idea of, uh, we have previously talked about playing Bureau 13 in the World of Darkness universe in our series of playing uh, Tritac games in other people's uh, universes, and this time we're going to turn it around and we're going to say, okay, w- you know, what what would it take to bring World of Darkness into the Bureau Thirteen world and to play it effectively? Um, also, another thing we were talking about was like, where do you you know you have these adventures of what your character is going to be doing, and like, you know, let's talk about the places you can go. You know, you, you have. Um the, the werewolves have the umbra which they can they can travel into um, and one of the things that you may may wind up having to do now only werewolves can get into the umbra so it might if you were going to go into the umbra you would have to have maybe one of your agents is is turns out to be a werewolf or uh, you know during the course of the adventure they have to work with a werewolf who happens to be a you know quote unquote good werewolf Um because there are there are creatures that are worse in um, in vampire and werewolf, um, especially in werewolf. They have agents of the worm, which are like these evil, corrupted Cthulhu esque kind of kind of things. Uh, I mean, so, some of the some of the worm creatures are, are pretty much right out of a Cthulhu book. Okay. Uh, and and they are basically bent on you know devouring the souls of human beings so that there's no redemption for and, and they wrote it that way on purpose i'm pretty sure but there's no redemption for the worm they are um anti-nature they they a lot of your corporations like i think one of the corporations was pentex uh was was basically 
dumping toxic waste into werewolf enclaves um, to to wipe them out. And yeah, and they they they're kind of otherworldly, sort of. You know, they're they're creepy creepy things. They also list. I'm looking at one of the the variations of vampires are the Strix, which are not human vampire. They they were never human. They are monsters from based on from Roman spirits hmm. of the same name. Oh. Okay. Hmm. Yep. Uh, and then okay, so so also you have um, the, the fairies have the or the I'm sorry, I keep saying fairies. The changelings have have their world that you can go into, which is like a parallel world, and that is a dangerous place for non-humans. I mean, I'm sorry for humans. So if 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 you're not a changeling, because they're they're so like they're mischief in that old Grimm's fairy tales kind of mischief, uh, kind of like you know they would set up a they would set up a. a, a a practical joke and it would be a hammer that would hit you in the head and it hit you in the head and your head split open and your brains were falling out. They would laugh. They would laugh so hard they'd fall over, you know, because they, they have a different perspective on life completely. Uh, and, and they have no qualms about screwing you up permanently and not to be evil. They're just different. Yeah. Their mindset, they see it as funny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They don't realize that humans are built differently than what we would call fae, F-E-Y. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And they would be – they might stop and go, wait a minute. He's not getting up. He's supposed to hear yeah. from yeah. It's like, why don't you grow your arm back? What are you doing? Yeah. They're like um, – I always imagine them as a little kid with flies. You know, little kid's not evil. He's pulling the wings off of the flies. You know, but it's not because he's evil. He just doesn't understand. Just doesn't know any better. Right. Yeah, like I said, they're not human. Right. They really don't understand what it means to be human. So, so going into the going into their their kingdom or their parallel universe that they have, I forget what they call that, uh, is is quite dangerous for humans. But it might be something that you have to do. Uh, what do they call it? I'm looking up at it right now. Uh, oh, Arcadia. Okay, that's right, Arcadia. Yep, yep. And then there's um, then there's or fairy or, or fairy. Either okay. one works. Then there's the and and the new changing. Okay, I do remember something about the new changeling, and it's the reason why nobody played one. All right, so in the new changeling, they did this thing where um, they captured a human. And replace the human with a changeling, and you were playing that changeling, and you just realized that you're you're not who you thought you were. A doppelganger. Yeah, you're basically a doppelganger. And I seem to remember that's how the character setup was. Well, actually, no. A doppelganger is a different kind of beastie. Changelings, you're, you, 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 changelings are exactly what you said. You you were stolen as a baby. A human baby is exchanged with a a, a fae, with a changeling baby. Right. Uh, a doppelganger is a different PC altogether. Uh, at that point, at that point, because doppelgangers are trying to steal your your current life. So anyway, so we were playing. So there's Geist, okay, and in Geist, you are there. There is an underworld there, and it's it's called the underworld. So you basically go into pretty much go into hell, uh, but it's not like you drop down and you're in you know fire and brimstone and stuff like that. You 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 go into this underworld, and you can actually walk around in there. I mean, people. Humans can survive there. It's it's a little you know. Of course, it's it's not it's not like the safest place for humans, um, 
but if I remember correctly, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything there. I think you can. No, no. You can, but it gives you no sustenance. Um, oh, you see, that's different. That's different with the stories of the Fae, where if you eat from anything offered to you, mm-hmm. you cannot you cannot leave the land of the Fae. Oh, no, I was talking about this is the Geist, the Geist Underworld. Oh, Geist yeah, Underworld, different yeah, the Geist place. Underworld, okay. yeah, you can, you can go down there and you can eat and drink, but it, do, it gives you no sustenance, so it doesn't do anything for you. Uh, so you have to bring all your own supplies and stuff, and it may even have negative effects and – um, and I may even be confusing some of this with some of the stuff that my game master put in because, you know, I didn't really read up on, on the underworld itself. But, you know, it, I think that's pretty close to what, what the game has. Um, and then what else? There was – that's – so, and the vampires didn't have any other kind of world that they went into. The mummies didn't. I'm sure the demons went into the same place the Geist went into, I would imagine. And one well, being that they got rid of Wraith, and I, I, I'm figuring that Geist is the replacement for it. That's where all the ghosts are. Um, so yeah, so that was, you know you got you got three places right there that you can go that are that are interesting for the characters to go to, to get sucked into. Yeah, well, I'm thinking like for adventures. I mean, I take a tip of hat from old Nick Pallotta. Uh He said, "Create you know, create yourself a, a um, to get your protagonist, your antagonists, and figure out what they want to do." And some place along the line, your team is going to encounter these guys trying to do what they want to do, and that's the point where the game happens. Ah, okay. But yeah, that. But you know, plan out. You know, in fact, plan, plan out all the way to the end, so you know what they want and what their goal is. If no one interferes with them, bam, they go, they get their goal. Right. You know. So yeah. So the, and with these guys, I imagine, like, especially with the vampires. Or the mummies, uh, they're well. Actually, the mummies, I would imagine, are probably the long-term thinkers. You know, they've been around since what five thousand years, right? <laughs> you know, they're they're the ones that are good at making long-term plans. And if you get in, and they they may be merciless, and you get in the, in their way of fulfilling their plans. I, I think though, if you're going to pull World of Darkness into Bureau Thirteen, you should probably come up with some big giant story arc like that you're gonna do that this would be a great time to 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 set about the apocalypse and the you know like that's the big story arc your characters are gonna play in this campaign for the next year and all the smaller arcs you write are getting them closer to the apocalypse and having to avoid it i think this would that would be a great time to bring that in because you've got like a ton of material you've got all these things you can you can bring into your campaign you can make it very rich and that's a very big story that you can tell yeah oh i, I actually just saw a story idea right off the top of my head uh, i had to turn turn around though somebody found the uh well they found where a, a vampire clan's been keeping their money oh and stole it <laughs> and stole it <laughs> You know, I doubt. Here's a question: Would vampires trust digital money, or would they actually actually have like real gold and stuff like that? You know, they'd be having stockpiles of bullion left, right, and center because you know precious metals stand the test of time. Currencies come and go with society. So someone stole all or a portion of that stash, and they want it back. Well, well, guys, there's a second reason why vampires stash gold. It has to do with the fact that they live longer than humans, and it's hard for it would be very hard for them to transfer fortunes from one person to another. They could do it, but it leaves a trail. This way, if somebody dies, 
you know, uh, I'm using quotes here, dies in society and they take on a new identity, they still have all their money. They don't have to transfer anything. They've got it in their basement. Yeah. So uh, anyone else ideas for adventures? <laughs> if, if you're dealing with an organization that is long-term, they probably have been aware of the Bureau 13 organization quite some time. And so uh, I could see them using Bureau 13 as kind of their own little brute squad on it because there's an infight between the various groups in the world of Godarctus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I can see that the Bureau, and you know, as soon as the Bureau sees this, they're going to be like, oh, it's the Price family and the Cabals all over again. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I, I can see where they would be setting up situations to draw the Bureau's attention to a group that they didn't like. Because, you know, like, usually the rule in anytime you're playing Bureau 13 is the first thing that you want to do is what's different? Why is this a problem now? What's changed? Why is the supernatural come out of Is this something new? Because they have these groups that they don't like, it uh, it would make sense to me that they would leave evidence of a, a ripped up body, for example, or if they're trying to take out werewolves, scratch marks, uh, possibly, uh, and, and, and evidence pointing at somebody, uh, a, a, a location where even where a group might be, just so Bureau 13 can go in and if there's hotheads in the team, to go in there and try to do a, a nuke, uh, nuclear option on a, a group of werewolves or even a group of mages. Uh, so... Uh, that and because Bureau Thirteen is going to back up its agents, is a really good possibility of it really embroiling the organization in a vendetta type situation with another uh, World of Darkness group. As a result of somebody, you know, forcing that situation, setting them up for that situation. Oh no, I see the Giovanni doing that against some werewolves, or maybe the Bruja, or not the Bruja. Again, the gang was saying. Oh, yeah, this gang is, you know, they're disrupting our business interests. We're wondering, you know, if, you know, and they would leave the signs and then find out that, no, this isn't just some gang. This is all clans of vampires been doing this stuff for thousands of years. Right. So if that was the case, um, you know, what would the Bureau 13 reaction be? Would they, uh, would they then ally themselves with the group that they were just smacking to, you know, smacking around and being smacked around by uh, and go back against the original group that set it all up? Or would they instead just back off and say, you know, hey, it's monster on monster crime. We really don't have a problem here as long as they keep it quiet. I would think the Bureau would sit there and go, okay, we need to research the politics. We need to research who the alliances, the 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 enemies, we need to find out what the whole game plan is. And it's and you know it's Byzantine millennia long stuff. The bureaus are gonna they're gonna have the room that has, you know, the yarn and the thumb the push pins and the cards and it's just gonna be that intricate. You know, if they could have a thing where um, if if you want the Bureau to not know about them, there could be a thing because the vampires control minds. Yeah. So 
they could have had someone in there trying to protect the vampires and everything by just erasing their minds of this knowledge. Okay, all right. Which would mean then that the vampires would have the mole and they'd already have the connection in Bureau 13 where that would be doing that. Yeah, that would, oh, to uncover that. That would shake the Bureau to its foundation, realizing that these millennia-old cabals of various supernatural beings have had their fingers and in the Bureau's workings. Ooh, that's pregnant. Ooh. That could be a lot of problem later, especially for a hot-headed Bureau team all of a sudden going to want a clean house and yeah. find out just how far that rabbit hole goes down. Yeah. I mean, technically, you could have most, if not all, of the different kinds of creatures in the World of Darkness setting having someone in there basically trying to protect their interests. They might even know about each other and work with each other. Power plays these various agents within the Bureau having these little games. Oh, oh, that's a that that's that, uh, <laughs> there ain't no type of cleansing get those tough stains out from that type <laughs> of Just yeah, I could I could see that would be a, just a whole dangerous web that a bureau team comes upon and sees that and just realizing what have we gotten ourselves into? If you think about it, that they could have done it with a doppelganger. That too. Oh God, yes. Oh wow. Oh, this, this, yeah. Here, here, Bruce. Here's your chocolate and your peanut butter, there, buddy. <laughs> oh, and and you know, you know who reports all this, right? You know, you know who opens this can of worms? It's going to be a Nosferatu. No, well, they're they're the sneaky they're they're the sneaky ones because um, they're the masters of of invisibility. Like that's their big thing. Like they're they're they're. Bi- their best gift is is invisible is obfuscate. Well, they'd have to because they're. I'm seeing the picture. These, these guys are bought up. <laughs> they're nasty, right? Well, it says every Nosferatu finds it nigh impossible to socialize. Right. So the so they're they're outsiders. Well, well, the whole thing is it says their reputations of as information brokers and harvesters of secrets. Oh, they know about the bureau. Then oh, they'd be the first clan in the vampires to find out. Yeah, the American government has this little agency. Oh, it's, you know, you just want to pat them on the head. They've been doing this for 150 years. They think they're secret, snicker, snicker, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. How adorable, yeah. And, I mean, if they ever got close to the Nosferatu, their thing is basically handing over nightmare fuel. They use fear they can they can tell what people are afraid of and they use fear against people oh kind of like the scarecrow in his spray okay yes the the dc villain okay gotcha 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 oh yeah i'm i'm let's see yeah they're very antisocial they can't make friends yeah i'm I'm seeing (laughs) and they're they're outsiders like as you're saying they're outsiders so they um you know but that doesn't mean that they don't like to get involved in things i mean they they have their ways and they 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 game the system to their advantage. So um, yeah. you always got to be careful with them because when they, yeah, they're information brokers, but why are they giving you this information? And, and is what they're telling you totally true? Like what's their, what's your end game there, buddy? Um, because they don't, they don't have, their power is knowledge. 
Um, th- these aren't the guys who are rich or c- control much of anything other than the fact that they know they know so much that the other vampires don't want to kill them because they're like, yeah, these guys are creepy and, you know, but you can't get rid of them because they know things. And when we need to know something, they're who we go to. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like the guy that runs the shoe shine booth down on the corner for the uh, <laughs> for, for all the detectives. They they know the the whole uh, uh, homicide department closes up shop if he goes on vacation. Well, you know what? It's funny because the White Wolf did the same thing with the with the the werewolves that were kind of the same. They have this group called the Bone Nars. And the Bone Nars basically live in alleyways and stuff. They're they're pretty much bums. They live in the cities, but they live on the streets. They're kind of like, you know, tribal, urban tribal bums, basically. But they, I'm sorry, homeless people. They, uh, <laughs> but they, they know everything because nobody pays attention when they talk in front of a homeless person. So if you're a corporate guy talking on the phone, uh, you know, cutting a deal, you wouldn't think twice about standing near a homeless person and saying things because you don't care what he hears. He's a homeless guy. Uh, same thing with gang members and um, you know anyone else who has secrets. They they just don't pay attention to the homeless people uh, because they're not they're not worth paying attention to in their eyes. So so they're, they're the information brokers. Yeah, Bruce brought that up on oh I I'm blanking on the podcast he said, but basically like the homeless people people you would see on the street like your garbage men and all that your janitors, they're all the type of people that know all the things. It's like the janitor in the breakfast club. He knows everything about all these guys because he's the one that has all the keys to the school. Right. He can go anywhere. These homeless people, what are they, the bonars? Yep. Yeah, they being homeless, yeah, they know all the little secrets that nobody thinks they would know because of that not invisibility. Well, it's invisibility, but it's also just you sort of just tune them out because you don't consider them to be a threat or credible, powerful in any way. Yeah, they they hide their appearance by their atrocious odor. <laughs> hey, buddy, you got fifty cents for a cup of coffee? All right. I'd like to know if you can get a cup of coffee for 50 cents. Yeah, yeah so this is like that uh, disguise um, accessory, you know, uh, three, you know, th- a wino on a binge, you know, that you just dump on your jacket if you want to sit someplace and do a, a, a surveillance and not be bothered by people. Right. Or you could just poop on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you can blame me. Yeah, I don't know any Bureau Thirteen agents that would do that intentionally. Now uh, there are times when you have to go down in the sewers, uh, the, the the nasty sewers, to chase a monster. Uh, but uh, the, I, that's nothing that anybody says. Oh yeah, that's uh, that. I I joined this group so I could do that. <laughs> hey, it's a natural defense for some creatures. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, I'm sure sometimes, I'm sure more than a few times it involuntarily happens because they're in the stuff that bureau agents run across now and then. Yeah. Right. Though I do, though I do imagine in the bureau's costume kit there is a Odu bum. Odu bum in, in there. Well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Here, rub this on you. You'll fit right in in the back alleys. 
I would rather it's, be shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smells kind of like wine and poo. <laughs> anyway, all right, I did it again. So, Chris, I, I, I actually I think we're, we 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 we're kind of focusing on the vampires for a lot. I mean, I was just reading up on the mages, and I'm going, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And what it was, me and. As I said, John, you met him when we worked on Bureau 13 on the phone. Jerry Gentry, my former roommate and buddy, he wanted to try to run a mage campaign. It just it fell through for us. We didn't – but I remember there's a certain group of magi that embrace technology. Technomages, basically, and I forget the name of the order. They would be a good one for the Bureau to run because, you know, the Bureau, they have the best hackers in the world. I mean – they, they've got, you know, not only the best hackers on the planet, but they've also got, due to IDET from Fringeworthy, computers 30 years beyond anything Earth, Bureau 13 Earth has. And all of a sudden they're dealing with these technomages and realizing, dude, we got some firewalls here. This is stuff I've never seen before. Because it's... Looks like they're called the, they're called the Free Council. Okay, all right. And they may have changed the name... But yeah, it, it's like all of a sudden they're dealing with intrusion countermeasures and black ice and just stuff that they're ha the Bureau 13 hackers are going, um, boss, this is stuff I haven't seen before. I don't know even the paradigm in which this was made. I can't crack this. And then they're finding out they're technologically backed because, or they're, these, this tech is magically backed because it's this group of technomagi. So that's a good way to bring mage in. So do you do you think they recruit the mage? Well, you know, security for um, corporate hackers, they'll sit there and find the guy that hacks into the system and says, tell you what, whatever you made on this run to try to hack us, we will pay you triple yearly to make sure other people don't do it to us in the future. Yeah, that's the standard uh, hire a thief to catch a thief. Bingo, you got it. Give that man a gold star. That's exactly what they would do. They would find these techno magi and said, "Come here, we got an offer for you." Actually, I was just reading. What got me on this one was reading up the uh, the, the, the description of the setting of uh, the Earth we're on. It's not the real Earth. Hmm? What? Yeah, there was a there were many 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 millennia ago or eons ago. There was a fight between between uh, mages over over the shape of the world, and they split the earth into the fallen world, which is where we live, and the supernal realm, where all the all the really cool mages live. Huh. <laughs> and there, there's the abyss that separates the two of them. So technically, what they're saying is that the supernal is the real world. And the fallen world is where they put everyone they didn't like. Ah. Hmm. Interesting. That's cool. That kind of reminds me of the whole second world setting where, yeah, it was one world where the supernatural and the mundane existed until 1924 when there was an event called the Sundering that broke the two worlds and the instead of the abyss and the second world setting – uh, in the Second World Source book by Second World Simulations, they called it the Forge. And that's where you got all your little pocket interstices, all your elemental planes, your astral, your ethereal planes. That sounds very similar to what you just said, John. That kind of same uh, mundane and magical Earth with a pocket interstice in between. 
And I'm just just getting through this. Doesn't there's anyone busily trying to well put them back together? Which I don't know if the bureau would want. Would the bureau want someone to brief, you know, reforge the Earth back the way it was? John, you do realize that would probably be an Omega team, something of that level. That would be an Omega team mission, like Candlestick, or I think is Fremont. Would you consider Fremont an Omega team? Nah. Okay, then this would be candlestick territory then. That would be the, the official Michigan team that I made up. Yeah, they'd be the ones going, uh, you're going to do what? You're going to combine dimensions? Uh, no, not on the not on the dance card today, folks. We're going to have to say no on that. We're not combining dimensions. We're we're bringing the Earth back to what it was. No, we, no. John, if, if I was run doing this in my campaign, I think that the end result would be they would find out that they didn't make any shadow Earth. They thought they were making a shadow Earth. Somebody else basically said, here's the world I want you to be on. You just think that you made this. Yeah, there's this other enlightened world where all the mages live in a kind of a Elysium-type environment. But those are out of the action. The real mages, you're down there with the rest of us. And you have no more control over the reality of this world except in a very localized area than anybody else does. It's like the elves sailing to the west in Tolkien. I mean, everybody has, you know, legends about how the world came into being. And this is theirs, but it doesn't mean it's true. And, or in the case of Bureau 13, they're all true. Well, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, every civilization has their own creation myth, and that would go for these various subsects of the supernatural group. So the world is a bowl valley with a large naked woman with stars painted on their bellies hanging overhead? Hmm. You know, that sounds that sounds like a beginning of a great weekend, John, but I'm not quite sure what, which particular... That's the Egyptian uh, view of the world. It was basically a large valley. Okay. Uh, and one of the, the goddess of night is the goddess... She's, she is the night. Uh-huh. Well... You know, maybe there is some goddess in another dimension extruding, you know, into our our world and this val our world is this valley that she they're referring to. So yeah. I mean it, it's it doesn't you know, it doesn't have to be a conflict. I mean, we have so many realities overlaid on the Bureau 13 world that you literally, you know, you change uh, zip codes, you're in a, you're in a whole nother possible world. Oh, that's a messed up mega cosmology then. Yes, it is. Oh. Well, don't forget the Egyptians believed in at least three or four different mutually exclusive creation myths. Yep. At the oh. same time. I mean, basically, every time every time there was a major uh, change in, in, in the hierarchy, so to speak, you know, a dynasty would die out, a new one would come up, and they come up with a brand new set of creation myths. But they keep the old ones too, just because they were, they were cool. <laughs> It's like a role-playing game coming up with a new edition of a role-playing game to change. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what um, do we have anything else to talk about with the world of darkness? Well, what if somebody wants to uh, play um, characters from the uh, world of darkness? I mean, uh, how uh, how easily are we going to be able to transfer? Let's say a uh, well, whatever, a Prometheus, uh, a Changeling, uh, whatever, into uh, your Bureau 13 uh, you know, game. I mean, we that, the, two, the two ones we're currently using the most are D20 Modern and Savage Worlds. So 
World of Darkness all uses the storyteller setting, and as far as I know, not even homebrew, there's no storyteller to OGL conversion. You're going to be doing a, I mean, I just happened to find this, this netbook on um, Vampire for D20 via LimeWire. So this is somebody whipped this up on their own. So it's going to be a lot of eyeballing homebrew, mixing these two worlds together to say, yeah, I want to play a Giovanni who decides that he wants to get involved and get his hands dirty and try to, you know, maybe have the GM want to do a Giovanni that backs he's secretly backing a bureau team because he's got the funds to do it. So then you'd have to sit there and make that Giovanni in, you know, D20 stats or whatever. From what I'm understanding here, you know, these vampires, you know, if they're going to be a couple thousand years old, you really got a job ahead of you to make that character in that system. He's going to be epic. Trav, not ne- not necessarily in vampire. You could play a brand new vampire, so you he doesn't have to be an old one. Well, yeah, but still, even then, I mean, even from what I understand, because uh, Eric, Eric the Enabler, Eric Spar, took a look at this netbook and he goes, "Oh gosh, the storyteller vampires would be outrageously overpowered in D twenty modern and all." He didn't care for this this netbook. He just knew right off the bat it would be just they'd be outgunning everybody. Yeah, well, in Savage Worlds, we, we're in luck. There is a, a book called the the Horror Companion, which does list vampire characters. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, there are vampire stats in D twenty modern, and same with werewolves. Yeah, yeah. They even have a thing called the Patchwork Man, which is basically your Frankenstein. Yeah. Don't we already have a Frankenstein s character in Bureau Thirteen Canon, Adam? Not only that, but uh, we have the whole hearts uh, supplement in Bureau 13 Extreme, where they talk about creating Frankenstein-type creatures. Okay. And, and don't forget, you can always do, you can always get on the superhero route. You know, you, you can, if you have no other way of doing it, or you don't want to write your own custom rules or whatever, you know, make up, you can always make up these monsters as superheroes given the powers and weaknesses that equal what you're looking for. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, also, because I've been lately been playing a lot more Fate as, as of late. Uh, Fate Core, they, there's this whole section on, you know, creating alternate characters and so forth. You could easily, I would say in Fate, it would be a fairly simple matter of just having the right aspects to find for your character uh, and, some, and some extra things for magic and so forth. It may be a fairly easy one to do the conversion to because you because you're not worried about doing hard numbers. You're worried, more worried about doing the feel of the character rather than the actual hard you know hard numbers of the character. So you're going you're you're definitely eyeballing, yeah. Which you know that's what you're doing as a player anyway. I mean, just be honest. How many people actually play their characters the way they're supposed to be played according to the rules? Right. All right. So so John, I've never played Fate, but uh, like. I've had some discussions about it. So, like, would an aspect? So, you're playing a vampire. Would an as would, would one of your aspects be uh, the living undead? It'd be, it'd be it would be your high concept, a vampire, you know, from the from the 12th century, you know, living in the modern world. There you go. So, so as far as the game is concerned, does that give you what people traditionally know of as a vampire? So you are yes. you're not going to age. You can't be poisoned. 
you're not going to starve to death. No one, you can't be knocked unconscious with gas. It just it gives you all that stuff. Yes, by saying that in your high concept that you are a vampire, uh, and of course you need to talk with your GM. What do you mean by what, what do you mean by vampire? But once you get hashed out. Uh, what do you mean by a vampire? If you're talking the vampires from World World Darkness, that's a different creature than Bela Lugosi's vampire. So, so would that cover things like, let's say, for example, let's take example, uh, the gangrel. Okay, so the gangrel is the animalistic vampire. He can pop claws, turn into creatures and stuff like that. Would that be additional things you'd have to add or would you just say, I am a gangrel vampire from... Yeah, I mean, I actually would just take that straight. I mean, use the description as you see it. You know, I am a, you know, let's go, I mean, let's look at the description real quick. Uh, the quick little description. Uh, Gangrel. Uh, oh, yes, I'm a, I'm a predatory, I'm a vampire that, that, that's a predatory feral demon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that, give, that gives you the permissions to do all the things you could, that that vampire could do. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Yeah, it, like I said, it's it's one of the easier systems to convert to. It's a pair to convert from, but it's easy to convert to. <laughs> yeah, well, this is one reason why I've always told people playing in any of my games, my campaigns, that I don't care what play character you want to play. Okay, as long as everybody gets the same amount of spotlight time. So don't you know? Don't be uh, steal somebody else's spotlight by being better at what they do than they are, and don't you know think just because you walk in looking like the the man in the red and blue tights, Superman, that you're somehow going to be the the most important character in the game. Yeah. In fact, if I was going if I was going to do a uh, Bureau thirteen. 13 campaign or even a beer 13 with world of darkness i'd actually use the dresden files as my basis the dress the new dresden files actually does a pretty good job of letting you have vampires werewolves and mundanes all working together it has different you know basically if you're supernatural you're going to have certain limitations put on you because you're supernatural you know so it, it it works out. I mean, they, they basically they, they did a really good job of. Now I won't say game balance because 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 you know the vampires can rip doors off off these hinges, but they they've what's the right word? I don't want to use the word balance, but it's a, it's a a karmic balance. So a, a, human, a mundane character has a much chance to have spotlight time as the as the supernatural character does. They may not be the same power levels, but they at least have the same chance of making a difference to the story. Well, it's because, like, yeah, the vampire and the werewolf, they have incredible speed and strength. The problem is the human can go in most places in society that the vampire and werewolf dare not expose themselves to. So they have their uses. And after a while, you got to have that trade-off. It's like the vampire and the werewolf character are going to be like, Okay, we have to let the the meat bag do this because we get in there and they will kill us dead. So yeah, the vampire can't get into the high security area because the camera can't see him, and and the fingerprint reader won't read his fingerprints. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was someplace else. Basically, there's a movie coming out. It's a documentary. Oh, actually, I posted it to the Bureau Thirteen group. That's right. It's a it's a doc uh, mockumentary. Following three vampires in England. 
they've got some really great mo- uh, docu- uh, you know, dramatic documentaries of of zombies too. By the way, uh, that all during the big zombie craze of the last ten years. There were some a couple that really did a good job of saying, "Hey, this is what it's like to be a zombie living in a world, you know, where they are tolerated." You know, those those are good movies to to watch when you're trying to play a supernatural creature. Now, if you're if you're really wanting to play a game where only the um, uh, the humans, so to speak, are allowed to be in the Bureau Thirteen team, then uh, our choices. Uh, the Prometheus might be allowed, uh, but otherwise, it sounds like it's just the mages. Is there somebody else who could be part of the hunter? The oh yeah, oh of course the hunters, right? I, yeah. was, I was kind of assuming that they would uh, be on their own because they're smaller independent groups. Well, you could have some. They, they got recruited, yeah. You know, you know, I, I say werewolves. I mean, as long as as long as you operate, as long as you understand, you got to chain to chain to the iron chair once a month, you know, uh, so you don't rip, rip everything apart. Yeah, you're good. Well, okay. So do 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 werewolves the the okay werewolves in the uh, uh, world of darkness? They can basically transform anytime they want to, right? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're more, they're more like the old werewolf series, the the howling series. Yeah, yeah, they can pretty much. But I, I imagine the howling, the, the the more experienced ones can change when they need to. But uh, the, the the new the new guys, yeah, full moon they change. It takes a while to get control of their ability. Well, now, John, um, in in the in in White Wolf's werewolf, uh, you're born a werewolf. Ah, okay, so you're actually a separate species, right? You don't become one. It's not an infection. You you're born one. And there's, and there's also this. Oh God, I'm trying to remember. I think this is correct, and uh, and I'm sure our fans will write in and correct me if I'm wrong. But I seem to remember that you could either be naturally human in appearance or naturally wolf in appearance, and that changed something about you too. Like you, oh God, I, I hope I'm not saying this wrong. I seem to remember that there was you could play like, um, basically your your natural form was a wolf. Instead of as a human, that was a, that was sort of something different. It made something a little different about you. Um, and then you also played your character based on the phases of the moon, which I think I think was based upon when you were born. Um, so like some werewolves get their power on the new moon, some of them get it on the full moon, uh, and there's difference. I, and it, but it does affect you in different ways. Okay, that, I'm just reading up on the current the 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 the, the newer version they put out, uh, the Uratha. Are physical and spiritual creature creatures, and and they can reproduce with humans. So, uh, but the, and the chance that a child will be Uratha is very small. So in this case, if if they reproduce with each other, they produce a uh, spirit monster. Mm. Oh yeah, that that was part of it. Right? That yeah, they wanted to mate with humans. Like they kind of needed humans to mate with. It's, which sounds like they're they're probably an offshoot of humanity then. Yeah. Just, they're, they're, yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, you have much chance of uh, breeding with humans as you would as they would with an asparagus. Well, like well, like I said, um, you know, this is a very rich setting to bring into to Bureau Thirteen. I mean, you 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 bring a whole new level of gaming when you bring this in. Uh, and I think it would work great with Bureau Thirteen. I, I don't know if you people listening to the show now who if you're listening to the show now. I'm hoping you'll agree with what we've said. Um, 
I almost want to do it now. <laughs> Actually, think about it. Uh, you can also do one of my favorite ways of GMing uh, uh, that one of my fr- friends, uh, Paul from uh, different Paul. This is back when the gaming days when I lived in Michigan. He he, he decided he, knew he was going to run a superhero game, but he didn't want to actually run one he actually wanted to moderate one so he took the took a bunch of people and said okay you are you are super villains you are superheroes and we had a great time and i'm just wondering that would that be a way to do it that as you take your your world of darkness players who want to play world of darkness creatures you're over here on this side of the table and you over there are the bureau team you gotta deal with these suckers huh. <laughs> that would be complex that would be an advanced GM doing that. That's not then the new GM. Can do. Well, it would certainly be an advanced uh, adventure plot. Oh yeah, because you'd have to justify all these characters being together and uh, and working together uh, and, and sharing spotlight. Like I said, because what you don't want is a situation where they they split up into three different groups. And you end up each group only getting a third of the actual playtime because okay we you know we have to go you're over here doing this investigation now let's go over to the gang you know, the gangrel and, and what you guys are doing oh yeah and then over here we've got the you know the wolves and I'm I'm just saying that would be a bad idea everybody would end up walking away because they just spent two thirds of their time sitting there watching the other people play. Yeah, in our case, the only way he, Paul was able to make it work was that we actually were in separate rooms, and he was sitting in the hallway, <laughs> going between the two rooms. Oh it worked. God. It worked for us. Yeah, but you're still in the 50-50 situation now. Yeah. I mean, the other way of doing it is to have two or three GMs, you know, the master GM, and then and it's the two apprentice GMs. But then you got there's a lot of trust between the GMs to do it right. So yeah, I mean there are I've seen I've seen that done too. So there's lots of ways of doing it. If you want to have you know supernatural on one side versus you know bureau on the other side, I mean, it could be done. That sounds like a nightmare to me. Whew. Well, it's no, it, it's not. It just means that you have to commit to it. That's all. This follows the rule of improv, which is is that you always say yes to whatever the other person says. And not only do you say yes, you say yes and and send it right back to them with something new for them to react against. If you do go with that idea, it'll work out. But if you have some kind of a uh, view in your mind about the way it has to be and it doesn't sync up with somebody else's view, then you're going to be button heads and everyone's going to go home unhappy. And they're going to blame the game instead of the GMs. Yeah, I think the other time I see a multi-GM one was actually at a con where they were doing that. In that case, it was one master GM and four tables. I have no idea how it came out. John, I did that. I did. I did that at, at Total Con. I had uh, it was me and three other GMs, and the the three tables were actually intermixing, and I was basically the go-between. It was pretty crazy. Well, hey, here, here's a thought when you do that. Don't use different systems for each table. Just a thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a, a, a couple adventures where I use different systems uh, uh, for the same uh, – during the same play session where one group was using uh, – where the, the bureau team was using one uh, system and the monsters were using a different system. Yeah, that's – it, it, it was fun. Uh, they, they found out that uh, 
the, the guys who came from the D&D world didn't work out too well because, you know, the, the rounds were a lot different between the two. Right. <laughs> well, that, listen, I mean, I, I had problems with the system translations. I mean, people had a good time, but they were... They were a little disappointed because when their character, when when I went up bringing everybody together, I switched everybody out to to the same system, and a lot of people did not translate as well as they were. Like some guys came, I think they came from, was it uh, Margaret Weiss's superhero or Margaret Weiss's uh, Marvels? Marvels. Those guys were a little disappointed, and then there was Brass and Steel. I think is the system, Brass and Steam, Brass and Steam. I think. Well, Brass and Steam is the new Bureau Thirteen supplement. No, it's not that. Then it was it was another. It was a steampunk uh, setting, but they had abilities with like tarot cards that were really, you know, different. And then they, when they came over, they they did not translate. They felt like they had lost half their character ability. So it, it, it you know it it just depends. I, I would say stick with the same system. That's why Savage Worlds is so good. Or like you were saying, John Fate. Everybody can play different characters from whatever uh, in the same game. I even use different, you know, I can use magic. Well, that's great. It's just another aspect, basically, when it comes right down right. to it. <laughs> yes, sir. Or, you know, for the D20 aspect of it all, you could just, you could make everything using uh, uh, mutants and masterminds. That's true. But then you're forced to create, to create the archetypes for, like, the vampires. Yeah. But then again, as a GM, means then you get to know what the, what the, how the vampires operate then. Right, right. It's just a thought. I was just saying, you know, like going back to the superhero thing, I know with Mutants and Masterminds, you can make anything. And that's compatible with D20. Yeah. Though, D20, I, I, as a question, has anyone ever released anything new for D20 lately or is it or OGL? Oh, I don't know. Hey, Trav, what do you, have you been keeping up with that? Well, there's always stuff happening over there at Drive Through RPG. I mean, you can just go ahead and search on it. But I mean, you know, big stuff probably not, um, uh, because they. I mean, come on, they they published everything they get their hands on during the heyday. So mostly, what they would be doing would be uh, little add-ons and things. I would think. All right, and now that we've moved into fourth, and then and now fifth is coming out. But none of that is OGL, so people right. are going to go back to uh, if people want to advance, they're going to basically go back to creating their own new systems again. Uh, you know, and that's fine too. You know, it's it, that's what we were in the beginning, and we can continue. I just hope that these people who come out with new systems have taken the time to learn, you know, what works and what doesn't work from the myriad of role-playing systems that are already out there. Just looking to do a quick look, uh, there actually are some new systems out there. There's a, a whole set of Spanish games being released. Interesting. And how is a Spanish a system? No, Spanish Spanish games. They're in, Sp- in the Spanish language. Okay. Uh, they're brand they're brand new settings, but but are they new systems? No, they're OGL. Oh, okay. So they're they're still D twenty. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like the uh, in in the Company of Giants, which is a translation of the actual Spanish name. The only way I can tell you I can, I can translate. <laughs> uh, let's see. But yeah, it, there are some stuff out there, and you can always, like I said, you can always find. If you don't want to do the hard work, you can always find a um, a supplement that does it for you. 
Somewhere, somewhere out there, somewhere out there, someone's done vampires the way you want to do vampires, and you just pick it up. You know, uh, it's not necessary to do all the legwork yourself sometimes. Yeah, so I just. Oh yeah, here we go. Just look at the horror. Oh yeah, they have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of horror supplements, so you can easily find what you're looking for in D20. Right. Well, that's that was always the promise of D20 was that everybody was they they literally put so much material out there that you could mine that for decades. <laughs> so does everyone agree that uh, playing the World of Darkness inside of Bureau Thirteen is a good idea? Oh yeah. yes, yes. I sure. think it is. Okay. Yeah. And uh, who's gonna who's gonna try it first? Not yeah. it. Yeah, because I'm only running three campaigns now as it is, plus the stuff I do at cons. Yeah, I'm all over that. <laughs> I don't have a copy of the game, so it probably won't be me, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, right now, I'm 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 busier than a frog hair split down the middle and shaved on both sides. What was that? A one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest? What? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not running anything. I'm not running any games for anybody at the moment. Yeah. Or my favorite, the one arm, the one arm paper hanger in the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, then we, I, I hope that some of our listeners will give it a try and will tell us uh, how it worked and and what what worked and what was the great moments in their game. Uh, by leaving us a message on Facebook or uh, perhaps even a review on YouTube, uh, I'm sorry, not YouTube, but iTunes, and uh, or even a comment on our website where you uh, possibly are listening to this wonderful podcast at this very moment. So let us know. Uh, please try out these ideas because we'd like to know that we're giving you good stuff. And if you uh, if you do. Uh, then we might be able to expand on it and even do things that you like even better. So we look forward to uh, uh, coming up with more ideas to improve your Bureau 13 adventure and all the, the great TriTac products that are out there. But uh, you're going to have to wait until next week. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives. And sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.